Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now by now you've probably already heard me singing the praises of microdosing and talking about the benefits I've experienced. If not, just know that all sorts of people, myself included, are microdosing to help with insomnia, anxiety, pain, workout recovery, and so much more. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level dose of THC to help you feel great without getting high from just one microdose. It's like the sweet spot between CBD and THC that gives you the benefits of both. A greater sense of calm, a mood lift, and a good night's rest. Microdose gummies are legal everywhere in the United States. And they're made with high-quality, organic ingredients, infused with real, organ-grown berries. They're a tasty treat that helps me wind down at the end of a long day. It's a win-win. So what are you waiting for? Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now, back to that spooky stuff. some missing time. You see, it was just a few weeks ago, it feels, that I started this 15th season. But somehow, despite producing 18 and 1 eighths episodes, time has flown by. And we've somehow found ourselves near the end of this season. In fact, the episode you're about to hear will be the last regular episode for a few weeks as we take a little break here in the studio. But don't worry. Unlike previous breaks, the show will not stop. We'll share unlocked episodes and some surprise content. We'll still be around. Aside from a small format change, your programming will continue all the way up to the premiere of Season 16 and the Truck Driver Special. But never mind all of that for now, because we have a brand new episode laid out for you this evening. 
an episode full of calls that tickle my fancy. A long list of odd occurrences, strange sightings, bizarre behavior, and freaky figures. Not unlike what is detailed in M's entry out of the state of Texas. This is M. I'm in Texas. I just wanted to share my experience with the Glimmer Man. I had never before seen one of these, never heard of one of these before. And I was on the back steps with my grandson one day. This has been about three years ago because he was about two and he's five now, almost six. He was just playing. He was standing beside me. And then all of a sudden he starts falling face first to the ground. Well, I reached to grab him and I missed. All of a sudden it was just like, I just seen like, it looked like, you could see through it, it looked like water. It looked just like like the the leaves and the grass. It looked like it just came alive and I could see the outline and it ran up and grabbed him and set him back up. And he was laughing and stuff like that. Well, I know that I wasn't crazy. I've really seen this happen. And well, I was just like in shock. And I was thinking, I know I've seen that. And uh, I didn't realize it. (laughs) You know, I was just kind of having like a, what in the world was that moment? And then uh, he kind of just smiled. He was giggling. He didn't scare him or nothing. And, you know, later on, I had told my husband like that night after we went to bed and stuff, we were talking, the kids were in bed. And it never happened again. Well, it's like we were sitting on the couch yesterday. And this has been, like I said, three years ago. Well, yesterday, my grandson and I were sitting on the couch. And he just out of the blue asked me, he said, do you remember when I was little and I started falling off the porch and that man came running and pushed me back up? My mouth dropped open. I didn't know what to say. But I was like, Yes, do you remember that? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I was trying to get like, do you know what it looked like or anything like that out of him? And he couldn't remember what it looked like. He just remembered it happening, but it was just like, it just amazed me. And to be honest, I had never heard of the Glimmer Man before. I'd heard like different things where people had talked about seeing predator-like things like I'm from movies, but this is the first time I have ever heard a name stuck to it, and people have seen them all over the place, and I just wanted to say thank you because just it lets me know that this is not like something new or crazy. It is happening all over the place. Lots of people are seeing it, and just thanks. Keep up the good work. And you can thank Cam Hale and Kyle Filson for that term, yeah. And I thank you for that story. Glimmer Man. Now I first heard the term Glimmer Man from fellow podcasters' expanded perspectives. And it sure is a great way to describe this entity. A shimmering, glimmering, semi-translucent figure, humanoid shape, hiding there in plain sight, ominously watching. And in M's grandson's case, always protecting, apparently. Now as to date, no real evidence of this being exists, though there are many theories as to its origin. Some think it may be extraterrestrial, 
Others claim they're of interdimensional origin. Yet many more have chalked this phenomena up to cutting-edge military camouflage optics. Technology described by a military contractor spokesman in this 10-year-old clip from CNN's Situation Room. What's coming up down the road and very quickly is the Harry Potter cloak. What is it? With that fictional cloak, Harry isn't just camouflaged, he's invisible. My pony's gone. How invisible are we talking here? If I walked into a room with a soldier wearing one of these cloaks? You wouldn't see him at all. Uh, He would be completely invisible to you. This isn't make-believe. The military has seen the so-called quantum stealth technology. It works by bending the light around an object, even concealing most of a person's shadow. Imagine what that could do for a sniper hiding in a field, or the American pilots who ejected over Libya when their fighter jets crashed last year. They could actually pull out, very similar to what they carry with a survival blanket, throw it over top of them, and unless you walked right into them, you wouldn't know that they were there. I'm sure that's nothing to worry about. Now, regardless of the origin, we now know this entity as the Glimmer Man. And although the moniker is fairly recent, it seems the phenomena is not. We've already established back on episode 15 of season 13 that there was a sighting of this mysterious figure all the way back in 1975. That's Adele's entry out of Florida, if you're going back. And from time to time, I stumble upon reports that sound eerily similar to those of the Glimmer Man. Reports that occurred years or even decades before the naming of the entity. And recently, I stumbled upon a mention in Art Bell's popular radio show, Coast to Coast AM. Now, this particular story took place roughly in 1987. It was featured in Art's popular annual Halloween program, Ghost to Ghost, 1994. On the first time caller line, uh, good morning, you are on the air. Yeah, um, Art, I'm calling from Overland Park, Kansas. Overland Park, Kansas, on a portable telephone. Yeah, sorry about that. I've got a really strange story. This happened to me, uh, I'm, I'm 22 years old now. I was between 14 and 16 years old. True story. I was in my parents' house, which we uh, we had built. You know, nobody lived there before. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents had gone on a walk for the evening with my brothers and sisters, and I was sitting at home. And I, I remember it was really well, cause it was a Thursday night, because I was watching Simon and Simon. And I'm watching TV, and uh, I just got a, a feeling of disorientation around me. It was really strange. And uh, there were plants hanging above the television set. And I look up, and... Uh, uh, this thing it distracted me, and it was like a, uh, if you would see an, it was like almost invisible thick shape going through the plants. Okay, just uh, an, it, something. An, an invisible shape going through the plants? Yeah, and it's the, on, the only way I can explain it is uh, if... if uh, you mean as though you could see the plants uh, moving aside for something that was moving in them? It was as if uh, inside the, the little shape that was moving, it was like a, a swirled, clear color. Just You could tell something was there moving really fast, and it was just gone. I understand. And uh, and I, I just got a really odd feeling of disorientation around me, and I, I kind of, you know, I'm looking around, my just turning around, looking around, having this odd feeling. And I turn back and look behind me down the hall, and uh, down the hall, I, 
there's a figure standing there, just as plain as day, nothing you could see through, just solid. And it was not facing me, it was facing a different direction down a different hall. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking, just talking about this, but uh, this figure was standing about six, five, seven feet tall. I couldn't tell, it didn't look like anything was touching the ground. And it was a white figure. The, the head of this figure was like a, uh, almost like a knight in armor's helmet. Ooh, that's weird. But it was completely white, and uh, just just the saw, just a shiny white, and the helmet came down around, kind of around his chest, its chest, and uh, there's a white robe hanging down off of the helmet, it was, and that went down almost to the floor. I don't know if it touched the floor, but it was just all it was was a white robe with this helmet, and it was facing a different direction. And as I sat there and stared at it and just could not move, it slowly turned towards me. Just pivoting, not no leg movement or anything, just moving towards me, just just not moving towards me, but just turning towards me. Mm. And as it as it faced me, I was just so scared. I just I closed my eyes and opened my eyes, and it was gone. It's good to hear Art's voice again. Now it certainly seems to be Glimmerman, the gentleman is speaking about there, and a bonus encounter at the end sure if that's affiliated with this glimmer man sighting or not some sort of knight in strange armor or perhaps that's what they look like when their cloaking system goes down or perhaps it was just a wild story on a 90s am radio program regardless of any of this this was a great call m and to my recollection this is the first time i can recount a glimmer man having interfered with someone help them or save them in any way Although I will admit, there's a voice in the back of my head telling me that that's not necessarily true. Seems I have the end of the season brain fog. Either way, thank you again, Em, for sharing the experience. Now, speaking of experiences, if you've seen or experienced something strange that you can't quite explain please consider sharing your story here on the program. Simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-N-I-G-H-T. Or shoot me a voicemail at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now this is your last call to submit a hometown legend entry. A reminder, a hometown legend is a story local to your area or an area that's near and dear to your heart. In other words, a legend unique to a certain locality. Well, this is your last call. Get those in by the end of the weekend, or get pushed to next season's finale. Oh, don't forget, I'm still looking for terrifying trucker tales. If you drive a truck for a living, I want to hear your strange experiences. And when you do call for either, don't forget to say Hometown Legends or Trucker Tales in the first few seconds of the call, so I can push your entry to the front of the line. For example, something like this. Uh, hi, my name is Chet, and this is for your trucker special. So get them in, and I'll get them played. And I've been meaning to say this for a while, but please do your best to keep your stories brief. If you have to call in more than twice, that's taking too long and I likely can't use it. 
at least not without hours of editing to cut it down. So increase your chances of making the air. Keep it short, sweet, and spooky. Now this next entry is a strange one. I suppose that could be said about every call played here on the program. So then I guess I'll say this one is especially strange. Please, join me in welcoming Casey, all the way from New York. Hey, Derek. Uh, my name is Casey, and I've been listening for a while now, but I haven't called yet, so this is my first call. I do have a few other weird stories I'll call back another time to share. But this one I wanted to share first and sooner because it was a story that was actually uh, was told to me and my sister by my mother, and it happened to her. I'm calling from upstate New York, by the way. We were at lunch for my sister's birthday when my mother kind of just dropped this story on us, and it really took us off guard. But here goes. So she said she went to art school in Buffalo when she was young, you know, college age. So this would have been, I think, late 60s, early 70s for her. And she was an art student. And back then, they really didn't, I guess, use a lot of security on campus and things like that, you know, different time. Didn't have the technology, whatever. So she, one night, was working late in one of the art rooms. She was working on, I think, some kind of pottery or ceramic project, I think she said. And there was no one there. It was like 10 o'clock at night. Everyone was off campus. It was dark. But they don't lock up the, the rooms because students do come, sometimes go in to work. So she was there by herself in the building all alone. She was in a room with her back to the door. She was, you know, further into the room near the counters working. You know, had a little light on over her and was kind of absorbed in what she was doing. And then she says, this is what she told us. She says she got the weirdest sensation that someone was in the room. And she kind of sat up and she turned around and she said she saw in the doorway a man standing in the doorway kind of just staring at her and she got a very menacing feeling like this is not good she looked at him he looked at her and then she said she heard a voice a very loud and clear voice in her head say run now so without hesitating she just listened to it and she got up and she ran towards the guy and he ran towards her she, as she was getting close to him and passing him, she says she swears this is true. And she was not on drugs, not drinking anything. She was sober. She was, you know, working on her, her stuff. She says she swears that as she passed the guy, she felt a rush of wind. And she looked over her shoulder and saw the man fly up against the wall. And she just kept running. She ran out the door. She ran down the hallway. And she went all the way to where the security office was and told them that there was a man in the room. Now, me and my sister were kind of jaws dropped when we heard the story. We didn't know what to make of it. She swears up and down for herself that that was her guardian angel telling her to run. So take that as you will. I've never heard anything like this before. Whatever it was, was strong enough to punch a hole into our world, so to say, and lift this man up and throw him against the wall. So I don't know. I'm assuming she's telling the truth. She Again, like I said, she was like 18 or 19 and, you know, totally sober. And she remembered it all these years later and uh, decided to share that story with my sister and myself on my sister's birthday. So, yeah, curious to hear what you think. My first time calling. Thank you so much. I love the podcast and I will keep listening. Thanks so much. Wild stuff, Casey. Thank you for sharing the entry. And it sounds like your mother was incredibly lucky 
because the way I look at it, we have three options here. One, she is a guardian angel. Two, that there is a very powerful spirit following her around. Or three, there was once an invisible crime fighter roaming the streets of Buffalo, New York. Thank you again for sharing the call. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to squeeze in one more before our ad break. Matt from Indiana. Welcome to the show. Hey, Derek. This is Matt from Indiana. I'm just calling you about something that happened earlier today. I was heading back towards my hotel in Tennessee to take my 10-hour break. I'm a truck driver, and I was finishing up my route. And I was in Johnson City, Tennessee at a light. And while I was talking to my partner on the phone, I happened to look over and see a couple on a motorcycle. And it took me a second, and I registered that the couple on the motorcycle was my old army sergeant and his fiance. And I was like, well, there they are. Hey. So I once was able to safely text them, I text them, are you in Johnson City? And he replies with, he's in Statesville, North Carolina, which is probably about five hours from where I saw them. There was no mistaking who they were. I spent every day with him for three years when uh, I was in the Army, and I knew his fiance very well. In fact, seeing what I thought was his fiance's face from the side is what convinced me it was them. Same type of motorcycle, identical. So I guess that's a classic doppelganger story for you. There is no mistaking it was them. It was exactly, it was them, for sure. So yeah, thanks Derek, bye. Thanks man. It sounded like them to me too. And I might be losing it, but this call sounds awfully familiar. Have I played this one before? I hadn't thought so for the first five or six times hearing it. But on this last listen, I'm now not so sure. Now, of course, I searched my records, but they say no. But my record-keeping wasn't the greatest for those first half-dozen seasons or so. So perhaps it simply slipped through. Or perhaps it sounds familiar because these sorts of experiences are reported all the time. Or maybe Matt called his story in more than once. That happens from time to time. And if I don't catch it, it really messes things up. Little peek behind the curtain. But no matter. It's deja vu all over again. New or not, we appreciate the time, Matt. So thank you for calling in. Now, if you would, please join me in welcoming Stephanie all the way from Indiana. She's here with our next terrifying submission. Hi, Derek. I have a story. It starts, oh, by the way, my name is Stephanie in Indiana. It starts with my niece. Uh, around 1993, she was about two, 
we would think that she had a friend, like a, a invisible friend or whatever, you know, kids' imaginations and stuff. But there was this one time she was standing next to me and she was talking. Her mom and her had just moved in with us in between her homes. And she was standing next to me and she was looking up and she was talking. And I was like, what are you talking to? And she said, him, and she points up. Now, she's two, and she was very smart, so you could actually have a pretty good conversation with her at the age of two, you know, and then years go by, her mom talks about how she has this imaginary friend, and she doesn't let her close the closet door when they go to bed because her imaginary friend watches for her and all this other stuff, you know, and that's the conversation as years go on, and then she gets older, you know, in her teens, and then there's more things that happen. Then they start calling them like the like a guardian angel, some type of whatever. Uh, my sister and the father of her daughter, my niece. Now, mind you, this is years later. It's about 1999 or 2000, something like that. My sister and my niece's father, they're having a really bad argument, and she brings the kids to our house. You know, I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm, she stays the night. My sister comes and gets her the next day. And then I start having, in my home, paranormal activity, which I hadn't had before my niece had stayed there. So it was only me, my son, and we did have a dog and my boyfriend at the time. Now, the radio in a room where nobody would be in would turn on all the way at the other end of the house. We'd have to go turn it off. My son's toys would start just going off, the ones that, you know, had musical whatever to it. Uh, just stuff like that. And, you know, it kind of started freaking me out a little bit. You know, I totally believe in stuff like this, so I'm very well aware that this could happen. Then I'm sitting in my kitchen one day cooking, and behind me, you know, we have an open-concept house, so everything's open through to the dining room, and then... And the back of the dining room is a wall that separates from the dining room to the laundry room. And then it's like a hall area. And then it's my bedroom. At the end of the kitchen, in the kitchen where the dining room is as well, there's the sink, the stove, a little counter space, and then the refrigerator. And then right after the refrigerator would be the master bedroom. So... I'm standing at the stove cooking, and behind me is, like, a little counter space, and that's where the microwave sat, and then the toaster's on top of it. My son's at the other end of the house in his playroom. He's playing, and the dog is with him. The toaster flies off. Just flies, like somebody took their arm and swiped it off the microwave, and it landed at my bedroom door which would have to, it, there's a good space there. There's um, the stove, the counter, the refrigerator, and then, you know, my bedroom door. There's a little space and then my bedroom door. So it had to have some kind of force to fly from the microwave all the way to my bedroom door. And then it just rolled, hit the door, the door bounced open, and it rolled into my room. I kind of, like, freaked out. I grabbed the phone and I'm calling my son into the living room at that time now, and then my dog comes with him, and then all of a sudden my dog starts freaking out, barking, runs past through the kitchen into my bedroom, 
through the house into my bathroom, we have a garden tub, and then on the other side is a shower, a stand-up shower. And he's standing now, staring into the shower, barking, going crazy. My dog normally doesn't act like this, so it was kind of different. I, it freaked me out even more. Uh, like I said, I had grabbed my phone. I grabbed my phone to call my sister because at this point I'm thinking whatever was attached to my niece and at that time we were calling him the guardian angel somehow unattached and was left maybe by accident I don't know I know it sounds crazy but left there and he was mad that's how I felt about it he was mad and he wanted my niece back there so he could you know go back to her or whatever I, I know it sounds crazy so anyway i'm calling my sister and i'm saying hey this just happened we had already talked about before all the other little things that were going on and thought that it might be a possibility and i was like listen he's mad i need you to bring desiree here call him down and maybe you guys can have him back <laughs> you know it was that type of issue so anyway um, she couldn't come at the time, so I called my other sister to come pick me and my son up so we could leave because I was I didn't want to be in the house. My boyfriend at the time wasn't there, so we only had one car for us both at the time. So, yeah, it was really creepy. That weekend, my sister brought my niece, and she came. They visited. They left, and I never had a problem again. I never had a problem with any kind of paranormal activity. Everything was fine. And it's weird, but I was happy because I wasn't having to deal with it. And my niece was okay with it because, you know, that was her guardian angel and she felt safe with him. And in between all that, she did say that she didn't know where he had went because she hadn't seen him in a while and, you know, uncomfortable at home or whatever. It's years later, obviously, and she has some kind of connection with the paranormal. She'll go places and she'll feel weird or hear voices or whatever. Um, she doesn't like to talk about it a lot. As an adult, she tries to not, you know, acknowledge it, but it's there. And uh, I don't think it'll ever go away, but that's my story. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. As we already established several seasons back, imaginary friends are creepy AF. I mean, let's face it, kids can be creepy themselves. Toss in the fact that they have an invisible presence that follows them around. Well, that's not going to change that image much. Creepy... But all that said, ethically, I think rubbing a spirit off on a child is frowned upon, even if it were that kid's ghost to begin with. But Stephanie, based on all that activity you listed, I can't say I blame you. Thank you again for sharing your entry. Now folks, before we dive into this next entry, a quick announcement regarding our upcoming motion picture. Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Borrego Triangle. The world premiere event is a week from today, and it's really creeping up on us. A reminder that if you reserve tickets and can't make it to the event, 
please release those tickets the same way that you book them so that someone else can take advantage and join us for the show. Because as of right now, the event is completely sold out. But you know there are plenty of other opportunities to catch the film. August 24th at Shelby Theaters near my hometown in Coshocton, Ohio. Starting September 8th at Bookhouse Cinema in Joplin, Missouri. And September 16th at the Majestic Theater in Cresta Butte, Colorado. Or simply visit BorregoTriangle.com for a full listing and links to purchase tickets. Borrego is spelled B-O-R-R-E-G-O. And I've received a lot of messages from folks suggesting I call such-and-such theater or email this theater that is in their hometown. While I appreciate it, that doesn't work, and I'll tell you why. Those exchanges take a ton of time on my side, time that I simply don't have. And more importantly, these cold calls or cold emails go unanswered 100% of the time. Believe me, I've tried. Instead, if you know someone that owns a theater or even works at one, especially a small, independent theater, put me in touch with them. That's the fastest route to get the film anywhere near you. And if you do have a local theater where you would like to see the film played, shoot them an email, send them our trailer, and throw my email in while you're at it. They can put those pieces together and reach out to me and we'll set something up. So thank you for your patience. It'll be streaming soon. But in the meantime, make a road trip out of it. Meet other MAU fans and watch a killer film in the process. Now speaking of the Borrego Triangle, why don't we field a call from that particular stretch of sand? From here in SoCal, please welcome Ian back to the program. Hi, Derek. My name is Ian. I'm calling from San Diego, California, and I have a black cat story, believe it or not, that I experienced today. Today is January 29th, 2022. So today I was out hiking pretty deep off the grid out in a place known as McCain Valley, which is about an hour and change from downtown San Diego out off the 8 freeway. McCain Valley is a BLM land mass out there that is just full of native relics and unexplored territory. There's a lot of dirt bike riding, but it's pretty much that is secluded to one area. The rest of it is a huge, huge area that leaves out of Carrizo and Cambridge. So I was out there today. And I was pretty deep off trail. I drove my Subaru in as far as I could, a couple of miles off the main road out there called McCain Valley Road. I drove east a ways, and I hiked, and I was parked. It was 11 a.m. Don't mean to be around the bush, but I was walking east of a place called Lost Valley, and I looked across the ravine, and I saw something running, and I've seen mountain lions before. I've seen them twice. I've seen one out in McCain Valley, and it was big and, you know, brown, sandy color the long tail and I saw one in a mole. This was a big black mountain lion looking creature that was bounding across an open meadow up some rock and disappeared over some a rock pile and I just sat there and was like, did I really see this? It was a giant black feline 
bigger than a mountain lion, if not as big. It was enormous, and this was in the Cane Valley, 2022. First time I would ever think I would ever see anything like this. I have another story which kind of came to light recently, and I've called before because I do see ghosts sometimes, and it's involuntarily. Like I said, I'm not like the kid from Sixth Sense. I see dead people. I just see them once in a while, maybe, you know, once or twice a year, if that. And this one kind of hit home because when I was about 19, I used to, you know, street race in the late 90s in San Diego. It was pretty big before it became stupid and commercial with these movies. And one night I had two friends in my car went to pick up a third. So I would have, you know, all four seats in my car full. Went to go pick up my friend Pete and got to Pete's house. And he said, hey guys, I'm not gonna go. I'm uh, going down to TJ, to Tijuana with my sister tonight and I'll see you guys in the morning. So we left and we had one empty seat in my car. I went subsequently to race all night. The next morning I got a phone call that said Pete was killed on the freeway on the way home. And they were changing a tire and a drunk driver hit him, I believe. And I saw Pete on the freeway a couple of times. I didn't even realize it was him until recently. I've called before and I saw it. it was, I thought it was a hitchhiker. But I realize now it was my friend Pete. And he was kind of smiling. And he looked bad like he was hit by a car. But he was smiling. It was his same goofy smile. But it was him. And... I just wanted to share that one as well, because that's the first time I've ever seen somebody that passed away that I knew. So, love the show. Really, really looking forward to all your new episodes and keep it up. Really appreciate you getting this platform to get this stuff out and realize there's people out there that, you know, do see stuff. So, thanks. Thanks, Ian. Now I know that area and it does fall within the Triangle's boundaries, which is the Jacumba Hot Springs area in the south, all the way to the Salton Sea area in the east, and Idlewild, or the Hemet area, all the way up in the north. Now, despite scouring through tons of research materials in the making of this film, I never once came across an ABC sighting within the Triangle. Now, there are plenty of big cats in that area, so perhaps a sighting of that caliber simply doesn't raise alarm bells. Not paranormal alarm bells, at least. Because I have no doubt witnessing a big cat in the wild will raise plenty of alarms. So perhaps the fact that the creature Ian witnessed was black is what made this sighting so significant. We've discussed several times about the possibility of a black or melanistic mountain lion existing in the wilds of North America. Now it's probably possible, as they have found an albino of the species. But as of now, no black specimen has ever been confirmed. But given the location of the sighting, only a few miles from the Mexican border, I wonder if this may be a known animal that was witnessed the jaguar. Now, officially, the jaguar was hunted to extinction in the U.S. years ago. But as late as the 1860s, the America's largest cat had a stronghold on the region. 
tales of the animal living in the mountains above the Palm Springs area are quite common. And these days, from time to time, one wanders up from Mexico or places south. On occasion, they catch one in a trail camera in Arizona. But never a black one. And never here in California. Perhaps until now. And Ian, as for the ghost of your friend's story that you submitted, I cannot find that original submission anywhere. Otherwise, I would have shared it here tonight. Either you didn't call it in, or something strange is going on here. Regardless, thank you, Ian, for the entry. And it probably goes without saying, but I really enjoy any report out of the Borrego Triangle. Now, switching gears. Tina is our next contestant, and she hails from the eastern reaches of Canada. Welcome to the show, Tina. Hi, Derek. My name is Tina. I'm from Newfoundland, and I just want to tell of a little thing that happened to me when I was probably about 11 years old. It was back around 1980. One night, my mom, I was at my aunt's house, and my mom was there with me, and they had asked me to go to the store, and it was getting dark and I was really nervous of the dark. And I was walking down the driveway, and I heard this terrible noise. And the direction it was coming from was was from my yard, because my aunt was living very close by. When I looked up, I saw this... I heard, It was a horrible sound that I heard, and I can't quite remember. It was a long, long time ago, but I remember the way I described it To me, I said it sounded like everything, laughing, crying, just the most horrible sound ever. And when I looked up, I saw in the corner of my yard, there was this big blue light. And the way I describe it, it was bigger than a person, and it was long like a person. It kind of reminded me of somebody that was bent over slightly, but not quite like a person, if that makes any sense at all. And the way I always described it was it was a blue glow, the way the the light of a, a VCR would glow. Now I'm really dating myself. But that blue VCR light glow. And what made me look up was this horrible, horrible sound. And all I know is I just froze and I was shaking. And when I was able to... I took off back to my aunt's house, and of course my mom and my aunt, they said, oh, that was just the local boys fooling around. I really failed to see how they could be. I failed to see how there could have been such a a big blue light like that. And to this day, I really, I have no explanation. Growing up Catholic, of course, it was the devil, it was something creepy, but Now when I think about it, I'm just wondering if it was some type of thing that could be explained scientifically. I know you've spoke of ball lightning a lot, but I've never ever heard an explanation of ball lightning looking like a long blue light. But I I, I still think, I, I really believe there's a logical explanation. I know I saw it. I absolutely know I saw it. And 
the reason I'm calling, through the years I've researched and I'm always looking for stories of a blue light like that. So I'm just wondering, is it a type of ball lightning that I saw? And the thing about the noise, I have no idea. To me, it was the noise that made me look up. It was ugly. It was horrifying. But the reason I'm calling in, I'm just hoping that you've heard a similar story. I'm hoping that somebody has an explanation because there absolutely has to be. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. I've been listening to this now maybe for the past year. I binge on it when I'm getting ready for work, uh, when I'm doing any kind of house chores. Anyway, thank you so much. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tina. Does that sound familiar to you? I don't know if it sounds like ball lightning to me. But then again, I'm no expert on the matter. But it does somehow sound like something natural to me as well. Though I can't quite put my finger on it. I suppose that's my way of saying that I have no idea. But thank you again, Tina, for sharing the call. Now, if you like ghost stories, you are in for a treat. Because Anne from Connecticut has had several experiences. Hi, Derek. This is Anne calling from Connecticut. I've been binging episodes, and I don't know what season it was because I've kind of been hopping around. But there was a story about somebody hearing a voice say, Meow, meow, help me. So I don't know what season it was, but it triggered a memory that I had from about 15 or 16 years ago. So the story happened in the summer. I was home from college and uh, my best friend and I were hanging out and we went to meet one of our girlfriends. Uh, She was staying with an aunt, I think. It wasn't her like house that she grew up in. She was staying with an aunt for the summer and it was a really old house in Wethersfield, Connecticut, arguably the oldest town in Connecticut. So there's lots of old houses. So we're hanging out outside this house. And she's telling us that the house is haunted by a little boy, that her and her cousins had seen it in the house and that it was very mischievous and would play tricks on them with the lights. And, you know, they'd see him out of the corner of their eye. So we're all like joking around. I was probably like 19 years old, I I think. And during this time while we were there, I had used my cell phone. So think like old school cell phone, like not iPhones like we have, like it was probably like a razor or something because this was in like 2004, 2005, I think. So I had used my phone to call another one of our friends to come meet us. So that piece is important when I tell the rest of the story. So anyways, the night comes to an end. My best friend and I, you know, we live with our parents at this time, home from college for the summer. So we live like only a few houses away from each other. I'm driving us home and as we pull, and we're kind of like freaked out from telling ghost stories, whatever. So we pull out into the main road and a black cat crosses in front of the car. And so my best friend said, you know, she had some family thing that she would say when a cat crosses your path. So she said, quick, you better say that, you know, that's bad luck. And so we pulled up to this red light to take a turn to head towards our houses. And as clear as can be from in between us, we heard something go, meow. 
and it was like silence. We didn't have the radio going. The two of us just looked at each other. And I said, you know, you just did that, right? And she was like, shut the F up. And I know that you just did that. And I was like, no, I swear to God, I did it. So we're all freaked out, whatever. So we go home and I still, that's so crazy. But anyway, we go home and I am getting ready for bed. And I'm looking for my phone and I'm like, oh my God, I left it at my friend's house. So I, you know, back in the day we had the landline. So I had my parents' landline. I was in their upstairs bedroom calling my cell phone to see if my friend whose house we were at, if she would answer it. And all of a sudden I heard it ringing in the bathroom down the hall. So I go into the bathroom and my cell phone was inside the bathtub with the curtain closed in the drain of the bathtub. So I was really freaked out. I actually ended up going back to my best friend's house because I was so scared and nervous. So that night I had trouble sleeping. And the next morning I was working at this local sandwich shop, you know, like summer college shop. And we got there really early, um, one of my girlfriends and I, and I would have to go drive to this local bakery to pick up the rolls and the bread that we would use for the day. So before this, I'm telling my friend at the sandwich shop what happened. And she's like, oh, it's like this little boy followed you home. So she goes, little boy, you leave my friend alone. Do you hear me? You better go back where you came from and leave my friend alone. So that's what she said as I was like leaving to go pick up these rolls at this bakery. So I pull into the shopping center where the bakery is. And now it's like early. It's probably like 6, 6.30, 7 in the morning. So there's not many cars in the um, parking lot at all. So I get out. I go into the bakery. I come back out. And my driver's side door was wide open. And I looked around. It wasn't like an old car or anything that, you know, had a weird door. But I looked around and there was nobody around. So, but it had been that I was just in a rush and I left my door open when I ran into the bakery. Maybe. I don't think I've ever done that any other time in my life since then. But when I got back to the sandwich shop, my coworker and friend I told her and she was like, oh my gosh, it's like he listened to you. I told him to go away and it's like he left your car and went back to wherever he came from. So I never had any issues after that, but just between the cell phone and definitely hearing that meow and then my door being open and just the terrible night's sleep I had, I kept feeling like there was somebody watching me. So anyway, thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Anne. Meow, meow, help me. That brings back memories. I distinctly remember that call from a very, very early episode. And I tried to find it, but as I'd mentioned earlier, my record-keeping wasn't all that great early on. But I'm sure some keen-eared listener knows exactly where that call is. So check our social media if you're interested. In the meantime, thank you again, Anne, for the blast from the past. Now, real quick, before I close this thing out. The Dogman Days of Summer are upon us, which means you can save 15% off your entire purchase at our shop, monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop, excluding the brand new Brett Manning Color Blast t-shirts, of course. Hop on the website, stock up for the year, show your support, and rock our gear. If I see you wearing it in public, I will 100% make it weird. Now, if you will, please welcome tonight's 
final caller. Dionysus, welcome to the program. Hi, Derek. My name's Dionysus. I'm calling in because I listened to not your last show, but the show before, and you had talked about a Michelin Man entity, like slinging tires off the back of truck, I believe. And this is the weirdest synchronicity in my life because I'm staring at a, a YouTube video that was just uploaded. It, it must have just been uploaded because the date is today and it's got like 7K views on a, on a channel with a half a million subscribers. And it's called Bibendum Entity. And it seems to be about this Michelin Man cryptid which, if I had two nickels, it would only be two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. Do you know what I mean? It's so strange. I can't believe this happened. So maybe if you want to look into it, the video is just called the Bibendum, B-I-B-E-N-D-U-M entity, and it's on the Shrouded Hand YouTube channel. But um, this is wild. I'm going to watch this 19 minute, 45 second video and be shook. And I think everyone should too. So that's my story. Goodbye. Thank you, Dionysus. Now, I don't recall the story that Dionysus claimed I played. And I did my best to track it down, but I had no luck. Again, if you know where it is, shoot me a message. And sure, Dionysus doesn't have an encounter per se. I typically reserve calls like hers for the beyond portion of the program. You can catch more information on that after the outro theme and final ad. It's like a 90s rock album. You want to let it play all the way through. Or else you might miss something. Anyway, I wanted to share the story Dionysus sent in because... I thought I'd never get another opportunity to discuss one of the strangest phenomena in all of Fortiana. Some refer to this particular cryptid as the Michelin Man. To others, he's the Babendum Man, as Dionysus had mentioned. For a little context on those titles, here's a clip from the video mentioned in the call, courtesy of Shrouded Hand on YouTube. As far as Michelin Man encounters go, it sounds like Annie Wilder met the friendly modern-day tire man, which is lucky for her because the Michelin Man used to be kind of terrifying. Did you know that his real name is Bibendum, short for Nunc Est Bibendum, a Latin phrase that translates as Now is the time to drink, which is kind of weird for a car tire mascot. Early attempts to create a Bibendum suit were pretty horrifying, as were the promotional figurines. Okay, here is the deal with this critter. There have been a number of flaps over the years, mostly in Europe, that describe some sort of humanoid-like entity with bands around its body. Not unlike the Michelin Man tire mascot. I'm sure you can picture him. Well, it seems that whatever it is, it's been popping up in people's personal space for going on 100 years now. The first encounter appears to be from 1926, still 28 years after Babendum or the Michelin Man was created. But that doesn't keep these encounters from being downright creepy. For example, Auberge, France, 1954. 
A husband and wife were driving down the road when they noticed a light in the distance ahead. As they drove closer, they realized the light was being emitted from a large, fat, shell-like object, which was constructed from a white metallic material. Inside was a four-foot humanoid in a rolled suit with a large helmet. Strangely, the car's headlights went out as they approached the craft. The lights returned once the couple passed the ship. Erith de la Frontera, Spain, 1960 Don Miguel Timmermans Caballos was riding home on his motorcycle after visiting Prado del Rey when he noticed a strange humanoid creature on an embankment, approximately 50 feet ahead. Caballos noted that the being was completely red from head to foot, stood close to six or seven feet tall, and walked like a mechanical doll, like a robot with stiff arms. As Caballos got off his motorcycle to investigate, another Babenda-esque creature appeared, but this one was significantly smaller, less than three feet. This being looked similar to his counterpart, except he wore one black boot instead. The humanoids crossed the highway, never to be seen again. Pierre Bouffier, France, 1967 A man and woman were riding in a car when they noticed a three-foot-tall Babendum hovering by the side of the route. The entity waved at them and proceeded to float away. No craft was seen. And finally, Western Kansas, 1976. A young couple was driving in a rural area when they saw a group of three flying discs, and then one which came much lower. The couple then found themselves driving 90 miles further down the road with no intervening memories. Hypnosis was used with each of the couples separately, and it was claimed that testimonies matched even in detail. Three babina, approximately five and a half feet tall, were seen on the craft during the abduction-type experience. Later, they found needle marks on their bodies, along with scratches and a rash. The couple believed they became telepathically sensitive after this experience. The incident was researched and reported on by J. Allen Hynek of Project Blue Book. And you heard me mention that the first known encounter with these entities occurred nearly 100 years ago. Well, I find this encounter from the 1920s to be the most fascinating. One November evening in 1926, a young Lancashire boy encountered a trio of strange entities in the back streets of Bolton. On the night in question, Henry Thomas was out playing hide-and-seek with his friends, spawning a back gate ajar. He crept into the yard, hoping to find one of his playmates hiding there. Instead, he found three strangely clad figures peering into the back window of a house. The figures were dressed in a style reminiscent of the famous Michelin Man. They wore bulky suits made of silvery-gray rubber tubes, dome-like helmets, and black boots. The helmets were connected by tubes to small tanks strapped on their backs. The strange trio suddenly spun around to face the boy. They had pale heads, shaped like light bulbs, with dark slit-like eyes and tiny noses. One made a gurgling sound. Then all three advanced toward the terrified youngster, who ran home as fast as he could. Despite his fear, Henry felt the entities were friendly and meant him no harm. His family, though initially skeptical, eventually accepted that he was telling the truth. They nicknamed the beings the Three Wise Men. I don't know. One or two more details and we could have nicknamed them the Mirrored Men. 
a few strange coincidences there. And you know, if you still don't find this mask on just a little bit creepy, head on over to the show notes and watch the cartoon from 1935 called The Story of Babendum, with a Michelin Tire Man. An unsettling little animation showing how the Michelin Man came to be. It's just kind of weird. Anyway, this is just the tip of the iceberg, or I suppose the outer tread of the tire. There are many more encounters like these out there, so check the show notes to find an entrance to that rabbit hole. A mystery, I think, is worth further exploration. So there they are, the Babenda men. They are now on your radar. And if you have a story surrounding one of these inflated phantoms, please shoot us a call. And if you'd like to hear more on this mysterious Michelin man-like humanoid, check out another of my favorite podcasts to catch their coverage on this bizarre case. Bryce and Michael covered the subject on Bigfoot Collectors Club two years ago, tomorrow. So how's that for synchronicity? You can find a link to their work over in the show notes. A big thanks to Dionysus for the informative call. And a big thanks to Delaney for the last-minute research here. And that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in. A reminder to ride the show out. There is some important information throughout the broadcast. And always remember that Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support was provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Powers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to follow us on social media and give us a like and follow on YouTube as well. Be sure to rate and review the show wherever possible to keep new listeners interested. And if you want more Monsters Among Us, you can catch us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern at sundown966.com or over at the Unex Network Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, co.ag music, and one of my favorites, Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. A reminder that next week's episode will be a special presentation. My full-length interview with the very first Mirrored Men witness, my friend Matt out of Ohio. Tune in next week for that special content, and the following week for your Hometown Legends number 20 mega episode. Boy, do I have my work cut out for me. And don't forget to catch the film if you're within driving distance. BorregoTriangle.com for full details. Alright folks, that's gonna do it. Keep it spooky. And have yourself a good night.
Now tonight's bonus entry. Yeah, if you just found this, we do this on every episode. And we have for several years now. Go back and listen because you're missing out on some of the weirdest calls. Calls like this anonymous entry. Out of potato country. Hello, I'm calling from Southeast Idaho area. I I wish to remain anonymous on this. I'm calling about one personal one that really really scared me the most. It was about 2009, 2008. I just turned 22 and I'm driving through Indian Reservation here, Fort Hall, going northbound and I just passed the slow neighborhood part of the reservation. And I'm just cruising along, having a good time, and I'm heading north to go see some friends. And headlights weren't too good on the car, and next thing I know, I see something black, like a dog in the road. And I hit it, and I slammed on the brakes. I I, I pulled over, and I just remembered, you know, that for a cool night, you know, that seemed like a dog would run away, you know, be running around having fun. So I, I, I got out of the car, and it's about 11.30, almost midnight. And I checked the front of the car, and there's no real damage except for a really big dent on the hood, and the front of the grill is just crap. And I realized there was no blood on the car. And so I was like, oh, no, you know, this poor thing's probably alive and in a lot of pain. I need to go find this dog. So I started walking back a little bit, and I... It's really hard to see. There's no moon out. The stars are spectacular, though. And I can't see that if there's anything in the road. So I go to start walking back, and I look around the car on the side of the road. I look on the other side. I am as quiet as possible to listen to see if I can hear it. And nothing. So I, I get back in the car, and I get ready to put it in gear. And I heard what sounded like nails on asphalt, you know, when a dog walks on concrete or an asphalt. And right to my left, my window is about halfway down, and I hear this low, quietish growl that sounds like it's coming just above the hood or the, the roof of my car. I freaked out, I panicked, and I took off out of there. And it wasn't until about five years ago through lots of therapy and counseling going through everything I've gone through in my life that this had come up I need. My counselor helped me recall a description of this thing because in my head it just kept changing. You know, I hit a dog or I hit a goat, I hit a horse. What I hit, I don't know what it is. I have looked up what I could find as far as any cryptids go the mystical things. And what I hit had the same body definition of a greyhound dog, except at its shoulder blades, it was taller than a Ford Taurus. Its tail was almost its full body length and a half. And it was all black. Nothing specific about it stuck out. And I want to say it's skin because it didn't seem like fur. Looking back at it in the headlights, it didn't seem like fur. It seemed like it was just skin, but it was so black. Like 
those sphinx cats that have no hair except there was no loose skin and anyways I've been listening to your show for a while and I just wanted to say that your show is great thank you well folks what do you think of this entry what do you think went down that evening I'm not so sure that I'm convinced but and there's always a big old but in most of these stories but that area is pretty close to the range of Ringdokas, the canine-like beast. It's also known as Shanka Warkin. So decide for yourself. And thank you, caller, for sharing your tale. Psst. Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, you. You want to hear some more spooky stories? Well, stick with us through the beyond and you can do just that. Gain an additional 25 to 35 minutes of content simply by joining our Patreon campaign. Search us out at patreon.com or click the Patreon button in our homepage. Then join the $5 level for instant access to days worth of additional content. And Patreon has made it even easier by allowing us to provide free trials. So give us a shot. See if we've earned your money or not. And now, if you don't mind, I need to start the after show. Good evening, Monster Squad. It is a pleasure to have you aboard with us here this evening as we cruise past the creepy and float by the unfathomable. I have one hell of a program lined up for you this evening. Only a couple of calls tonight, but high-quality calls, no doubt. So let's get started, here with Justin's entry, out of North Carolina. Hi, my name is Justin. I currently live in North Carolina, but during my four years of high school, I lived up in Minnesota with my parents. They had a house in South St. Paul, which is outside St. Paul, Minnesota. There were a bunch of weird stories about that house. But the weirdest one, well, one of the weirdest ones, there were multiple weird ones. One that comes to mind right away is I had seen 